beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. What would that look like for someone who is afraid to do that because they feel like they would have to throw the baby out with the bathwater? In a sense, they're they're afraid that they're afraid that starting over means losing religion and no longer being saved. I mean, and they may not say that, right? But somebody might hear this and be like, yo, that's a legitimate fear. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Three Black Men. I am Robert. I'm Dre. I'm Sam. What it do? <laughs> and this is Three Black Men. <laughs> welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. How y'all been? Uh, tired. It's a snowstorm outside. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> the weather outside is frightful. <laughs> I'm also tired. I'm also tired, but it's it's Florida outside. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah, would make me hot. tired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should be offended. Respectfully, beloved. Respectfully. Oh. <laughs> Respectfully. If you can't say amen, you gotta say ouch. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say it's Florida outside. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to say first and foremost, thank you everyone for your continued listening. Uh, and supporting of the pod. Thank you for liking, retweeting, sharing the pod. Thank you for uh, the continued Patreon support. Uh, the new Patreon members. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. 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 Yeah. Y'all, y'all, my, y'all my cousins now. Like that's that's where I'm going. I need some more cousins. Yeah. yeah. Except yeah. my real cousins leave us uh, ratings and reviews on on iTunes. So you heard me. Yeah, yeah. I mean only good ratings and reviews. Only yeah, otherwise, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. let's let's be very Pacific. Uh, yeah, yeah. Only good ratings. And my reviews. mama said, "If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing." Yeah, but we quiet. still looking for the person who put the one star. I'm just. <laughs> we are though. Um, <laughs> Lord, Lord rebuke you. I would um, I would like to warn you that if I catch you, it's on site. <laughs> site on site. But you tonight, don't know what that means, Google. <laughs> uh, so uh, on the pod, we're going to be talking about uh, setting up tables and uh, in those tables, uh, first and foremost, we're thinking about theological tables and setting the table for and constructing tables that are beneficial, life-giving uh, tables for us, right? And I think with so much talk over weeks and weeks and weeks and months on end of uh, deconstruction and uh, <laughs> things that people don't like, uh, what we wanted to talk about tonight is um, setting the table of things that you you do want, right? and um, setting up life-giving spaces. Um, and so that that's going to be our topic <laughs> for this pod. Amen? 
so excited. That sounds so freeing. Being able to talk <laughs> about what you do like. Oh my goodness. Good yeah. God from Zion. Let's go. <laughs> my God on today is going to be liberating. Who would have thought is you can actually talk about what you do like? Exactly. And and, and so what I want to um, begin the conversation in is um, kicking it first to Trey because he really had a lot of passion in, um, in this topic. And so First, brother, what was in your heart when you were um, thinking on this topic and putting it forth? Oh, that's a great question. So, like, we we all met on Twitter. Twitter is pretty, like, for better or worse, um, not essential, but but it's 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 pretty uh, central. It plays a big part in in what we do and how we express ourselves. And I spent a lot of time on there, and I have for a while now because it's been a, a cool outlet for me to kind of flesh some things out. But I started noticing this trend of a lot of people amplifying, railing against, giving airspace to the things that aggravate them, to the things that make them uncomfortable, to the things they would like to see eliminated. And I understand that wholeheartedly because there's there's no the the, the list of things that uh, would would meet those qualifications for me is not a short list. But at the same time, I'm starting to recognize that if I am beholden to expressing and thinking about and talking about those things, I'm actually not as free as I'd like to be, right? If if I um, find myself in a space or a frame of mind that is discomforting, that is robbing me of the fullness of life, um, that is a good thing when I recognize that it is doing that. And if I want to change that, that is a good thing. But if all of my time and energy is devoted to talking about that space, I'm failing at breaking those chains. I'm merely acknowledging them. I'm merely rattling them a little bit louder. That's not what freedom looks like. And for me, I got to a point where like, oh, eventually we, we kind of just got to like start something new. And it's not to say like to, to just abolish everything, but eventually you have to be the one to, to determine what it is you do believe you what it is that you are for what you do stand for right and for me like the the whole illustration of of setting a table kind of stuck with me because the idea is I, okay, I, I'll give you a couple examples, right? Like, um, I, I talked to you guys earlier about the first time I went to medieval times with my wife. Um, they bring the food out, we're sitting there, and um, they don't bring no utensils. Now, it's very upsetting don't. to my wife. And, yeah. and she was like, do y'all have any utensils? And the 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 winch, and I'm not saying that, like, that's how they introduce themselves. Like, yes, I'll be your winch for the night, right? At Medieval Times. Um, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but she was like, oh, no, we don't have any. And my wife was like, wait, so I'm just supposed to eat with my hands? And I was like, yeah, babe, that's kind of the thing here. Like, But if I, you, feel your, I feel her. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. I understand. But if you want utensils, you got to go somewhere else. Like, your options are you can sit here and eat with no utensils or you can use utensils elsewhere. There's plenty of places you can get utensils, but this ain't gonna be one of them. And I think that theologically speaking, like relationally speaking, all those things, we have to get to a place where we can acknowledge like, if this is something that is essential to me, I might have to look elsewhere for it because I can stay here and this is how it's gonna be, or I can go elsewhere, or I can create a space where this is how we get down. 
right? Um, because I went to another function with my wife and my eldest daughter, where it was a little, uh, it was a formal event and they had all sorts of utensils that we don't even normally use. Like one of them situations where you got two forks and two spoons and the knife is laid across the top and she didn't know which fork went with what and everything because we were unfamiliar with that space. But there's so many different settings. You know, you can go eat Ethiopian or some West African food where, where it's a communal setting and, and we're eating with the hands and there's all these different, so that's just the illustration setting yeah. the table in terms of uh, what can we expect and does it make sense to go to medieval times and keep on whining about the fact they don't have no utensils if there's all sorts of places you can go to eat that do have utensils okay. or if there's an, op an opportunity for you to set the table yourself with utensils you know can, can i ask a question for sure i i like i like i like what you're saying i i agree Yeah, though you muted. There you go. <laughs> my bad. My question <laughs> is, um, what would that look like for someone who is afraid to do that because they feel like they would have to throw the baby out with the bathwater? In a and sense, I, they're they're afraid that they're afraid that starting over means losing religion and no longer being saved. I mean, and they may not say that, right? But somebody might hear this and be like, yo, that's a legitimate fear. Yeah, and I, and I hear that wholeheartedly. And I think that's why like, I kind of wanted to frame the discussion around setting the table as opposed to just leaving the table, right? Because you can leave a table yeah. and just be confused as to what the landing spot is and where to go. But if you right. were determined to set a table, I can go home and cook all the same food that I was served at medieval times and eat it with my cutlery. <laughs> you understand? Like if that, yeah. that is important to me, if that, if that is comforting to me, if that is how I need to digest what is put before me, you can do that. That is allowed, right? And um, mm. later on, I, I don't want to sit here and dominate all the time, but I think because there, there's a few specific nah, like, propositions good, that 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 <laughs> led me to this conclusion. Like, yeah, we don't have to keep on trying to fit in in spaces that are not for us, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, and I think for me as. As I'm hearing hearing you and then hearing your question, uh, Sam. Uh, well, first, I want to give space for um, inevitably someone will hear this and will assume that the fullness of this conversation is about uh, the the deconstruction movement. And if that is you, please know that that is not um, first and foremost in our mind although it's been referenced a couple of times. Um, um, that is, uh, I, w one thing I do wanna say to that is, please understand that, the deconstru that deconstructing your faith is both something, both very personal, personal and also it is larger than your particular uh, group of people that you are aware of. Um, and so it can be both individual and group related, right? And so there hey, are- unpack that for me a little bit when you talk about being larger than a group of people that you're aware of. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I say often that um, in a lot of spaces, when people say deconstruction, I, I try to challenge them to say, who are the first people that you think of in your mind? And if, if most people are honest, if they're being honest, 
the first people they think of are popular white people. And I want you to know that that is not the only people deconstructing their faith. Um, there are a lot of people of a lot of different ethnicities um, and a lot of mm. different backgrounds, a lot of different, um, just from a lot of different walks of life who are overhauling their faith, who are examining their faith. And so I really want people to, when we're talking about even deconstructing their faith, I want people to not think that one type of person gets to dominate that conversation, right? So that's one. Yeah. And so it's why I've stopped um, utilizing that language of deconstruction only because it's become so a dominant of one type of person, right? Um, commercialized. It, yeah, it could be even commercialized. It can be helpful yeah. if we're using what it actually means. Um, but I, I, I tend to like overhaul and examine um, uh, because... I'm constantly overhauling and examining my faith. Um, and uh, a lot of different people are, right? And so when we talk about s setting the table, um, uh, that that we want, I, I love what Trey's saying. And um, in this question that you're bringing up about fear, fear dominates so much and it could cause um, someone to, to shrink back and to feel like I can't even, like I can't even begin to set the table because fear is what's keeping me from examining even what's on the table. Talk about it. I can't even take things off that shouldn't even be on there. Yeah. <laughs> right there, there's some poisonous rotten food on there. I need to take those things off. <laughs> you know, it's rotten, it's rotten bananas on there. Like, I let me take that off. And um, and I would say to be to give a crystal clear example, um, talking about setting the table. Like, if for me, I think of something that I like to uh, term the gospel of fear. Um, so in many aspects of my Christianity, um, there's, I feel like fear dominated how holiness was taught to me. Mm. And it was this thread that was woven through how discipleship was taught to me, how holiness was taught, how uh, purity culture was taught to me and the fear dominated it. Um, and I want to be pure be or else I um, am afraid of the others or else um, I don't want to uh, backslide or else. Um, and I don't want to be on the slippery slope or else. And there was this constant fear um, <laughs> was like the dominant um, emotion that kept me in line and um, it kept me right, kept me holy. Um, and, I don't want to set the table with that. <laughs> and when I when I think about constructing a table uh, that's um, uh, beneficial, that's life giving, that's generative, um, fear is not going to be one of the place settings. <laughs> um, to me, and I think, what would I say to that person? I think it's hard. Um, to let go of fear um, 
for me facing it was starting to ask questions was what happens if, mm-hmm. you know, like I was afraid of, you know, like I was afraid of the ACLU. Um, and I remember think, you know, that was part of the thing that I was fearing in, in, um, in earlier forms of my Christianity because it was taught because um, they're going to let the liberals come in. Um, and the liberals are going to um, take over because <laughs> uh, us conservatives, right? And I was wow, like, yeah, yeah, ACLU is going to like take over and we're not even going to be able to worship. And I remember saying, ask questions like, what does the ACLU even do? Oh, they helped me against fundamentalist Christians. <laughs> <laughs> they helped me against seditionists at the capitol (laughs) that's really real because at the end of the day one thing that i do not often see promoted and i'm trying to be specific here oh wow wow okay um in in traditionally like mainline evangelical christian spaces one thing i don't often see promoted is critical thinking as something that is to be promoted and ultimately something that honors God, Mm -hmm. right? So there are a lot of people who hold very strong convictions and commitments about things that they believe theologically, about things that they believe socially, about things that they believe politically and haven't really examined why they believe them. And it's not even just like, so, okay, I had a, a discussion with um, some internet stranger the other day about uh, the, 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 that same tire Colin Kaepernick discussion about like disrespecting the flag, right? And and you had that discussion in 2021. I, I did. Shame on me. Shame on me. Shame on me. Shame on me. But but okay, that the whole thing where it was like, yeah, like a lot of people felt disrespected. And I and I asked them like, why? Why would they feel disrespected? He was like, oh, because you know they didn't honor the flag. I was like, let me let me ask you a question. Kneeling, as as far as I understand, now I've done a lot of thinking and reflecting on this. Is historically like across the history of, of across human history. Kneeling is, along with bowing, one of the two most respectful gestures that there is, right? Can you think of one single other instance, one single other recorded instance in the history of humankind where kneeling was perceived as disrespectful? Well, no, but I'm sure there is instances. Can you can you name one for me? Can can you do that? Or no, because such as and I was okay. So why is it now that we're upset that he didn't like? At the end of the day, we're not upset at the kneeling. We're upset at what we're talking about, right? And that's just an example of one of these deeply held convictions that people haven't really thought about. Because that's a very, that's a very basic question to me. Like, why would they yeah. respect? So when you talk about things like okay, the ACL, ACLU, like oh, what does that do? And we got to ask questions about that. Like I know the past couple of years, the the big boogeyman was the. the the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization on their website, they say that they they aim to disrupt the nuclear family. And it sounds scary when we say that, like, oh my gosh, they're coming for families. But what does that mean when we talk about like the nuclear family, right? right? Um, <laughs> is that not actually a return to a more biblical model of family in which, uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question, right? If you talk about the fact that 
Jesus, right? It says they went to visit Jerusalem when he was about 12. And when they left, they actually left Jesus back in Jerusalem. When they went back to the hometown and then the traveling party, they left Jesus because they assumed that he was with somebody else in the family. That sounds to me like Jesus' was a whole family lot of people. was bigger than just mommy and daddy, and bigger than just Mary and Joseph. It sounds to me like family is something more comprehensive than we've made mm-hmm. it seem in our particular society. But all we heard was, oh, we want to disrupt the nuclear family. And all that, that's terrifying to us because we haven't promoted critical thinking and, and, and trying to figure out why yeah. we believe what we believe. Yeah, I think there's a lot of false dichotomies. Um, they're, yeah. they're like people think it has to be either this or that, right? Like, um, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this or that. Like there can be an... Um, there's there can be a, a something else that makes a little bit more sense um uh so i i think i, I like what you're saying trey um as far as like i'm gonna be honest like as far as like setting the table right where i am right now i'm gonna talk about me where i am if you asked me if i could set a table right now of like everything that i like i couldn't do it and here's why because I'm freshly coming out of a situation where um, I saw a lot of cognitive dissonance, right? Um, a lot of where orthodoxy didn't meet orthopraxy. Yeah. And, and even though there were some things that I, I said I believed confessionally, some of it didn't necessarily sit right, but I was like, you know what, I have to pick a side and I might as well side with the majority on this one. You know what I'm saying? Um, because where I was, the tradition that I was a part of, they pride themselves on being right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think a lot of traditions do that. I think I think a lot of Christian traditions are like, no, we are right. I think very few are very um, ecumenical uh, in saying like, you know what? There's grace for this and there's grace for that. Um, which is, is why I completely understand why people love non-denominational churches, because I feel like you can get a sense of that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so coming out of that, me right now, there, there are things that honestly, and you guys have been so helpful, <laughs> like doing this and just like just interacting with y'all has been so helpful because there's a lot of things that I wasn't really sure where I stood but I chose a side because I felt like it had to be either or. And now I'm able to challenge those things. And I don't think it's necessarily bad. Yeah. 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 So when you talk about just now, like you're not sure, like if you had to, if if you could set a table with everything you like, you're not sure what would be on that. I don't think that's a bad place to be. Cause even like naturally speaking, if we were to carry this, this illustration of setting the table through its natural end, right. There Mm -hmm. are times when I, I, I might not know, like me and my wife had this conversation tonight, like, oh man, what are we doing for dinner? Mm-hmm. Um, and we play that whole game where I keep on naming stuff and she doesn't know what she wants, but she does know what she doesn't want. Right. And I think that's an okay place to be. That's where if you go back to deconstruction, which I, I, I pray that we don't do too often tonight, but <laughs> like, uh, like it's, it's okay to find out what, what you do not like, what is not right. sitting right with you. I'm one of right. the people who I will try anything one time. I, I will try any food mm-hmm. at least once. Some of them, I'm not going to try a second time because this is not sitting well with my constitution. Some right. stuff. 
some stuff I might not be too fond of, but I recognize there's nutritional value in it or something like, okay, mm -hmm. even though this might not be my favorite, I need this and it is good to me. It's okay to figure those things out. But eventually, if you are in tune enough with yourself, and if you are striving to become more in tune with the God that you claim to believe, you got to start trying mm -hmm. to move towards some decisions or some orientation as to what exactly. Does work, you know? And you know what, what, what has, ha what has helped with the progression of being able to set that table is muting a lot of um, the things that I don't like out of my life. Oof. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pass that. Um, and that's via Twitter. Um, and in my personal life, I like, I just, I, I, I look, I need peace. I don't know about y'all. I need peace. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm learning, you know, and I look that trade. <laughs> Living my best life. Hey man, I'm gonna tell y'all these guys here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning that man. Just, that's why I'm like, I'm okay with where I am because like I've, the stuff that I don't like, I've, I've muted. So I like I don't have I don't have to worry about that. It's worry about like okay, so how I really feel about this. You know what I'm saying? I can focus on what I want to focus on. If that makes yeah, sense. I think uh, I, I'm going to be vulnerable in this conversation. I I think what is hard for me in this season of my life, um, as I am building, I'm building a table. I'm not even just setting the table. I'm building a whole table from scratch, right? <laughs> um, with the wood and everything. Um, Don't worry, Trey got us. He got the whole um, Last Supper over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Trey like, got the whole just, Last Supper over there. He got us. I, yeah, I think my difficulty um, is related to a few things. One, I'm tired. Uh, if I'm honest, uh, I'm coming out of seasons of my life where I have been commodified and um, especially in church spaces uh, and where I, people love Robert for X and um they love a good black man when um, when he can be that voice that fits the agenda. Um, <laughs> and um, I said recently on Twitter that it feels sometimes like people, I feel like people collect black voices like they're in a zoo sometimes and it's wow. like their favorite black voice, but they don't listen. Right there, you're not actually listening. It's like you're collecting zoo animals. Um, and I'm t I'm at a stage in my life where I'm tired. I'm I'm actually it's hard for me to construct a table when I'm tired. I'm actually exhausted, and it's hard for me to construct when I'm tired because it's difficult for me to distinguish a friend from foe. Um, in this season, if I'm honest, and um, as I'm constructing, it is hard for me to tell, are you an enemy or are you a friend? And um, that is hard for me. Um, it's, uh, and so in that place, my voice has been used um, as a commodity, a thing to be used, but not 
but when it's time to amplify me, when it's time for me to be uplifted, when it's time for me to be celebrated, when it's time for me to shine, to rise, I have not been empowered, right? And so I've been in these spaces that have sucked me dead. Um, and so I'm tired. Um, and so that, that's hard to pontificate and theologize. Um, do you feel like, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, you feel no, like, it's, you're fine. Do you feel like that's because you were trying to sit at somebody else's table? Most definitely. I mean, it's a multitude of reasons, but that is probably at the top. Um, and yeah, I, I was definitely sitting at um, other people's tables and it worked um, eating other people's meals, um, making those meals great. Um, Trying to find some seasoning somewhere. Yeah, and making those mediocre meals great. Uh, um, but when it's time, like, hey, but you know, like, could I get some nutrients though? <laughs> For my, <laughs> but like, I'm a brother starving. <laughs> you know, so I'm tired. And then also, I think you know, in this, as we're talking about like constructing these tables, I also notice that in these spaces, whether church spaces, whether it's the, these theological spaces or, or the both, you know, um, they should be both, is this disconnect um, between real life and uh, the, this faux life that theology makes. You know, I notice every day um, yes. in the academy or in social media, which is fake the academy, um, the things that people, uh, sorry, I'm too honest tonight. Um, like the things that people argue about have no Goofy. bearing on people's lives. And yeah. you're arguing about things while people are dying in the streets. And you're arguing Literally. about things while mothers are trying to care for their kids while while women are being made widows while people are addicted to drugs and my heart breaks and is made more tired as i see this disconnect between the academy and i see and and so i see people in the academy I'm still reading uh, Jonathan Edwards uh, i just bought another volume of Jonathan Edwards and i'm thinking this disconnect is so toxic to me. Um, and I'm thinking we're in a pandemic and I haven't seen anything from you on how to give life to dead bodies and or mm. the broken people in the streets. But yeah. oh, I just wrote a 20 page paper on the theology of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, this is not it to me. Yeah. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second, right? Because I think once upon a time, like these people have always been among us, but they they dwell in the academy, right? Um, one of the things that social media has done is brought the academy to to the masses in a way that we weren't typically used to seeing. And yes, 
it appears to me what's happening. <laughs> yes, was like, so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it appears to me what's happening is that we now have people who desire to think and live as pseudo ascetics in the middle of society. Um, they want to be apart from real life issues in a sense so that they can focus on theological propositions and formulations and doctrinal orthodoxies and 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 all of these like like philosophical constructs of things um that do not as you said have any bearing on real life i think i think it's a relatively recent phenomenon just because before you had to go out of your way to encounter this stuff and now because of social media is being amplified and amplified and now people are having like real life arguments like yo like you said people are dying out here literally and i think it speaks to a level of privilege Ooh. to be able to dedicate so much of your time and energy to these things that don't have a direct bearing on people's real lives. There are people out here who, if they take their eye off the ball to think about this argument that you insist on having, mm-hmm. it's curtains for them. You know what I'm saying? So th- th- there has to be a level of privilege for you to be able to to, to just hash this out in whatever nebulous fashion. Yeah. Um, because there's a whole lot of people like, nah, like my theology has to be oriented this way because if I don't get this right, like so there are lives at stake. And I don't yeah. mean lives in, in whatever little nebulous term you want to mean. You want you want to bifurcate everything in the spirit and soul. Like, I mean, no, people, people going to die <laughs> if, if, yeah. if we don't. You know? And I saw this, you know, two things stick out in my mind. I, you know, I saw, you know, as the world was burning literally um, in our nation um, this past year, and I saw plenty of um, academics um, silent. They're still writing papers. They still like in the seminary yeah they're still talking about complementarianism and um and they're still putting trying to put women in their place um and but we're watching but we're in covid i mean literally millions of people are dying and then statues are burning being torn down police brutality is front and center the racial problem is literally in our face and i'm starting to see some of these same people their first comments on on social media and i've been watching them like a hawk first comments i i i don't think it makes sense for anyone to uh brutalize uh and vandalize Yeah. So that's so, that's what you're gonna nitpick on, right? Now. Like that's so literally, and then yeah. right back to uh, writing on ecclesiology today. And what what burns in me is the world is burning, literally was burning this summer. And and so what the disconnect, the level of the lack of so, the cultural engagement and relevancy. To me, isn't part of a table that I want to be a part of. I'm, I don't want to be at that table. 
you can have that table. You can be the head of that table. You can set it anyway, set it and forget it. I will not be there. Don't call me. Don't want to go. I revoke my membership because I saw that and I'm like, you're taking this time still to talk about complementarianism, still to talk about women pastors um, and how they shouldn't be pastors. Uh, women can't preach in the church. And uh, I don't understand why people are vandalizing. How clueless. But you know, it's crazy though. Like for me, um, it gets exhausting and they don't understand it, but this is literally our life, right? This is like a cycle of having to hear about things that don't matter while our people suffer or our people are dying or, you know what I'm saying? Our people can't have the the correct access that they should have to vaccine shots because people of privilege are finding a way to manipulate the system so they can hop in front of other people who necessarily need it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like this, this is literally our life. And you, and some people might be like, Oh, well, well, like, well, what's the big deal? No, this hat, like this happens to us all the time. Mm-hmm. And we say this, right. And it's to the point where, you know, we realize, okay, well, there's some places we can't even set up a table to eat because we just not even welcome there. So then when we say, you know what, we're going to set up a table over here, I'm going to set my table over here and I'm going to fix it like I want it to be fixed. The people over here want to judge me and everything on my table as unchristian. (laughs) Talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Unchristian, ungodly, unbiblical. Yeah. And all of those things and i'm like well say something bad <laughs> hey, I'm, a marxist. I mean, I'm gonna be a marxist for jesus then i'm gonna be whatever <laughs> i need to be to be liberatory for my people so you can call me whatever you oh i think robert's gone democrat i think robert's gone liberal i think robert's gone marxist i'm gonna be whatever i need to be to be liberatory for my people so, so hey let's let's talk about this one because for, for uh, you you brought up that the whole thing about people just oh oh i don't see why we need to vandalize and things of that nature and the level like i'm trying to figure out how far you got to stick your hand your um, your head in the sand to not understand why this happened because here, here's the thing about it like when you get to do all of that theorizing um in an abstract fashion or whatever and people try to meet you at your table people try to sit at your table and engage with you on those grounds you don't hear them because <laughs> you you want to hear the, the the conversations you want to have you you want to hear agreement you accuse other people of being echo chambers but you tune out everything that that like you you'll talk over people um you're fine with people you'll make room at people at your table um so long as they fall in line right but the moment they they bring something new that you hadn't considered that might have escaped your radar as you were uh theorizing in this abstract place as you were theorizing in the clouds uh the moment that 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 they uh begin to to deviate we we start tuning them out so now all of a sudden it it becomes um the same thing that happens when you ignore anybody they try to find other ways to grab attention um it's been hashed out so many different times none of these riots just happen out of the blue (laughs) it it happens after people have have tried other ways of being heard absolutely and that happens right and i say all of that to say after a while 
I think the healthiest thing to do is, you know what, forget it. I'm, I'm not even gonna, I, I don't care about this table anymore. I don't wanna be at it because they have not found time. They have not found the energy. They have not found the impetus to honor me and the fullness of my humanity. They have not found time to honor the image of God in me. And I'm either gonna go somewhere that will, I will find a table that will, or I will build one. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the exhausting part because after a while, um, especially if you have uh, the, the the level of self awareness and know that like yo, I I, I got problems too. You don't want to end up building a table that's oppression of a different sort, <laughs> uh, and that's something to be careful yeah. about. But it's, it's it's important to recognize that like yeah, we're not saying that oh like all these tables are segregated. Like nah, I know there's plenty of people who I disagree with on a number of issues that would gladly have me sit at their table so long as I don't make too much noise, so long as I keep my mm. elbows off the table, so long as I uh, uh, follow all of the, the little etiquette rules and, and- and Take your grill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking- <laughs> and I think, so it's interesting. So we started out this, this, uh, this conversation talking about theological tables and what I want to at least highlight is the fact that we're, we're interplaying with theological tables and real life examples of things that impact our daily lives, which for us are one in the same thing, yes, right? Absolutely. Like, it, because theology for yeah. us is not just things that we think in our head. Um, there, the, and so I think that even impacts like, so I, like how we post on social media. I think sometimes people follow me because uh, they might see a quote unquote theological take and they're like, oh, that's what this dude is going to be about. <laughs> and then they're like, wait, <laughs> you're posting about race stuff or you're posting about equality stuff. Like I wanted the theology stuff. And for me, the there is no line between these because as I'm constructing tables, this, you see what I'm saying? Like we're, t- we, we are saying one in the same thing at my yeah. table that I'm construct setting the table. What's part of this meal <laughs> was part of this place setting. Um, justice is part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that yeah. we treat one another, equality, yeah. equity, all these things are at the table because former part of my Christianity taught me that these things were separate, Mm -hmm. that there was a gospel that could save my soul, but God was unconcerned with what happened to my black. The rest was communism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God was unconcerned what happened to my black body. And um, I did not find life there. Um, And if anything, as I became more and more oppressed, I became more and more depressed um, and further away from God completely. And I think that leads people to deconstruct so hard that they deconstruct out of the faith because they don't find in God an, a, uh, a friend that's able in a deliverer that's able to empathize with their plight, right? So if yeah. God doesn't care about racism, if God doesn't care about misogyny, if God doesn't care about marginalization, well, 
I mean, ultimately, hey, I if God atheist. doesn't care about, I mean, ultimately, if God doesn't care about me, right? Like, I mean, that, I yeah. think that's ultimately what we're saying is we want to feel heard. We want to feel cared about. We want to feel um, a sense of belonging and identity um, of sorts. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Random question, random question. And y'all forgive me because I told y'all already, I think in illustrations, I can't help it. Like, uh, do, do y'all have like salt and pepper at the table? Like the table that you eat at? Do the salt and pepper shaker, do you, do you have it there? Not shakers. I have big, nah. Big, like the we don't have cute songs. My, my wife tends to season the food very well. Okay, so we perfect. That's on. exactly that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going at. That's exactly yeah, what I'm going at. Because I remember there, there are certain was, people who got like, the salt I, and pepper shaker, right? But yeah. but, right. but 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 and you say and, and the reason I was sitting there and I think of illustration because <laughs> you were like, yo, my theology and and all this stuff is tied together. Mm-hmm. At my table, ain't no salt and pepper shakers because the food is seasoned when it gets there. That like that, that combination, <laughs> that combination is always yes. there. It's inextricable. You understand? Yes. It's not going to yeah. be like, oh, you can decide how much of this we want to include. That is a part of the ensemble. Yeah, like, for real. That's, that's, that's the way this thing is Yo, going. Yo, I like right. that. I like that I like illustration. That. Yeah, I really like that. Actually, most people that I know and that I hang out with, it's not, we don't have salt and pepper, but because we season the food. But um, <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, but yeah, so, I, you know, so, you know, thinking about this this conversation you know what if you were to say to somebody what things are important to you now at this table that you've constructed or that you are constructing like you know we we've said some things and maybe we aren't um fully formed yet right we haven't fully set that table um but as we're thinking about the spaces that we want to be in, mm-hmm. um, what are some of those things that are important to you? You know, we dance around it, we've named some things, but what are some yeah. of those top things that are important to you? So, so I know for me, I said earlier, I, I probably couldn't set a table. Um, I mean, I can't say it. it's going to be an incomplete meal, right? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But it, for me, it would be palatable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's my table, right? Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I'm finding for me, ultimately, what's really important is grace. Um, I got to give myself grace because I'm I'm really, I'm unreasonably hard on myself. Uh, and I think yeah. part of it has to be do with some of my upbringing and some victim blaming. Um, but I've always been really hard on myself because I all, I've always held myself to a, a really high standard, right? Like, I mean, you, you're talking about somebody that um, was the first Black kid in gifted class and the only black kid in gifted classes in third grade in his elementary school all the way up to fifth grade, but then ultimately ended up in prison at the age of 23. You know what I'm saying? So um, grace, I, gotta, I, ha- I have to give myself grace to, to feel things, um, to explore things um, and to not, and to be okay with, you know what, maybe this ain't right. You know, or maybe this doesn't feel as good as I thought it might feel, or, or you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, grace uh, for me. Uh, I, are we doing like a top three list, or just no, no, no that that's that's uh, a good one. We it can even be you you did a top one, but then you named three. Uh, uh, you sorry, found a yeah. way to do a sub yeah, yeah, yeah. three uh, in that top one. I, I um, yeah, you know, you know. I, yeah, I was like you, you sneaky <laughs> my bad. person. Um, I I think for me, what's important to me. Uh, is uh, something Trey mentioned earlier is critical thinking. Um, 
that is very, very important to me and something that I felt at points of my Christianity, I had to give up um, because I grew up as an atheist and uh, I like the ability to be able to explore, to hold things in tension, to say, we don't have to solve that right now. We can let that tension stay in the air um, to let there be a big question mark to say, what if, um, and let that thing just ride. Um, and I think so many rifts happen in the body of Christ because people can't say, I don't know. Um, and especially, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, I, yes. and, and it's That's an it, okay answer. Yeah, like, I don't know is my favorite thing with the Bible. Like, I do not know. In the older I become, in the more education I have with the Bible, the more I don't know. And it surprises me that people say, quote unquote, biblical answers with their whole chest. The Bible it, is clear. Yeah. If you say the Bible is clear, that lets me know that I cannot trust you. Um, that literally lets me know that I cannot trust you because defense. yeah, yeah, like you are actually no, it actually lets me know that you are an untrustworthy person because you're a manipulator. Um, that's one, and and you and because you know exactly what you're doing when you say that community rather than, um these yelling matches that uh, to me are irrelevant uh, to Oof. me. So I think the ability to think um, critically and not pretend that the elephant is not in the room. I'm like, <laughs> y'all. And that's it. The fact that you don't do that is when your kids grow up and they're mad and then they trying to light the whole <laughs> Bible up. <laughs> they start listening to the Marshall Mathers LP and deconstructing at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> and then they end up like, hey, did God really say? Because I got yeah, right oh, letters like Stan. Exactly. A whole lot of people need to hear this. You know, like I, <laughs> so, so that would be me, Trey. Oh, uh, hold on. I just want to acknowledge real quick. Yeah. Uh, you said that I, had my one answer and I slid three in there. Don't think we didn't notice. <laughs> I just felt free. <laughs> Don't think we didn't notice that you just wrote a book. <laughs> I, I just felt just free playing. because, huh? Nah, I because... feel you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> nah, go ahead, Jay, man. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like one thing that that's like mandatory at my table is a uh, heart and spirit of and for reconciliation. And when I say that, like, I know people hear re re uh, reconciliation, they immediately think racial reconciliation. Like, yeah, that's part of it, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Um, when I say reconciliation, I mean reconciling our practice with the truth that we claim to believe, right? And You better talk about it. <laughs> of, of, <laughs> yeah, but the truth of like the Imago Day, because one of the things I've been spending a lot of time in is looking at the creation accounts in uh, Genesis and exactly when we talk about original sin and the fall, and a lot of times we focus on the action of Adam and Eve eating the fruit and not the deception. And I think 
the deception and them falling for the deception was actually a bigger sin than eating the fruit because mm-hmm. everything up until that point was God creating things and calling things good. God created all these things and said it was good. First thing he said was not good. It's not good for man to be alone. We need community. We need each other. He creates a, a, a companion for the man, right? And then after that, God gives them dominion. He says, you guys can have anything in, in this garden um, except for over there, right? Don't, don't, don't touch that tree. And they good, they good. Until somebody comes along and was like, hey, man, God really said y'all couldn't eat none of this stuff? Like, no, that's not what God said. We know what God said, right? God said we eat anything except for that tree because then we would die. And then the serpent says, oh, you're not going to die. If you eat that, God don't want you eating that because then you're going to become like God, right? And you're going to know everything just like God. Now, that's the, the the sneaky thing he did right there because he starts out with a blatant lie. Like, we know God didn't say that. God said this. And he says, mm-hmm. oh, well, God doesn't want this because that. And then like, huh, you have a valid point right there. And they forgot that God said you were already made in the image of God. You already have all of me that you need. I'm not trying to keep mm-hmm. everything. Look at how I set you up. I've given, I've set this whole world up to sustain you. I've given you dominion. And now somebody's lying on me saying that, I'm trying to keep things from you and you're going to do the one thing. The one thing I said was for me, the one thing that's not for you. And when we believe that lie, then now all of a sudden there are things that we need to do to become like a God who already created us in the image of God. Now what that does, it sets up this sort of rat race where we have to get back to divinity. And that's where all sorts of like separations is. Notice the only time that we hear a difference or a, a suggestion that, that the woman would be subservient to the man is after they believe this lie about God that God wants to keep that uh, keep things from them because now my mind is oriented okay I need I need to do something to be like God because I messed up and now I need to get back there and what that tells me is I've done more to be like God than you have so because of that I'm better than you and you need to serve me right um and I think that that's more sinful than anything I think the sin wasn't so much what they did as what they believed and then how their beliefs act and, and and the reason I say that, right? And I'm sorry for, for the little mini sermon right here or whatever. Oh, yeah. But when we talk about the blessings of Abraham and the promise of Abraham, the Bible clearly tells us that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? It wasn't anything that Abraham did. Abraham wasn't following any law. The law wasn't even issued until Moses. What, what got Abraham into the hall of fame of, of faith was the fact that even in the midst of all of the deceptions, even in the middle of what he saw, when when what he heard from God didn't make any sense, he believed God. Mm. So when I say a spirit of reconciliation and, and reconciling what we believe and how we live, if we truly believe this concept of the Imago Dei, that we were made in the image of God, then that means above all else, above any other doctrinal formulation or doctrinal stance, anything else, my theology has to start with the fact that there is God in you. Mm. Even if you don't know it, even if you don't acknowledge or claim that God, that there is God in you, that there is a piece of God's divinity inside of you by very, not because of what you do, not because of what you believe, but because of who you are, because of the fact that you are here, because of the fact that you exist, there is divinity there, right? And if that is the starting place, right? If that's a key ingredient, that's on the main course at my table, I think certain things uh, based on the way that we treat each other, 
the way that we treat the environment around us, the way that we conduct ourselves has to change. And I think we have a much better time around, like we could turn it into Olive Garden when you hear you family, <laughs> if, if, if that is the spirit that, that is on uh, the menu at this table, you know? Yo, I really like the way you thought through that, man. That, that, yeah. yeah, I like that. Well, amen and amen. I love that, brothers. We now have a Patreon, which Patreon. I want to encourage each and every one of y'all to, to visit at uh, patreon.com slash three black men. Uh, think through it, pray through it, ask God <laughs> if, if he would have you partake in this work that we're doing. Because on top of some bonus content here, we have uh, some blog pieces going up. There's going to be some devotional content coming out. And I want to encourage you guys um, to visit that Patreon, patreon.com slash three black men. Go watch and, um, my kids ruin my videos. Go ahead. Watch, watch them. <laughs> them. Them babies ain't ruin nothing, man. Matter of fact, there's more people going to sign up to, to see them babies. How about that, bro? <laughs>